You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. And welcome to Spookulative Evolution. Hello, David. Kaka, Will. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, listeners. Hello, everybody. And welcome to October. It is indeed. It's October. And some of you who have been listening to us for a while might remember that last October we did something a little special. Last October, we started a series, a special Halloween October series, on the suggestion of one of our patrons, actually. Indeed. Renee gave us this idea. Yes. To do some monster discussions, some speculative evolution discussions based on our favorite monsters, and we're doing it again this year. Spookulative evolution. So welcome back to Spooky, everyone. Spooky's back. 2019. Yeah. So... For anyone who's new to the series, the whole goal of this series, the this this little side project, is to take some of the most famous and our favorite monsters and creatures and talk about how might they come to be in the natural world. How could something like this evolve? What would its evolutionary history be? How could we get something close? Maybe not exactly the creature, but something resembling that you would want to name after that creature <laughs> or how can we answer some of its weird features with natural solutions for what things do animals do that match what it's doing for the full background on the topic of speculative evolution we did a whole episode about it way Absolutely. back in episode 39 now last year we focused on classic movie monsters yeah it's vampires and werewolves, werewolves fish people yes and zombies and so we were looking at okay what were some of the classics of film this year, we're going back further, and we're going to talk about some of the most well-known and popular monsters of Greek myth. Yeah. So we're going back to Greek mythology to talk about its creatures. So, just to give background, Greek mythology is a general term for the stories, both written and verbally told, and those depicted on artwork from the time of ancient Greeks. Ancient Greece generally dates somewhere between 12 to 900 BC to about 600 AD. So, long time ago. Yeah, and that's a that's a big swath. Yes, and it's it's not you know one single nation, it's not one single peoples. It is a very diverse you know history in Greece during this ancient time. And it's famous, as many of us know, for the ridiculous amount of stories that came out of there. The myths, Greek myths, usually having to do with the pantheon of gods, mm -hmm. the Greek gods, those famous Zeus and Athena and Hades and all those that we know. The heroes, Greek myths were all about these more than human heroes. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who will show up in this series, I promise. Oh, sure. And monsters. Yeah. Greek myths are full of monsters. Sometimes they have direct commentary on morals and and the right what is right and wrong. Other times they're just weird creatures that are there to bar the path of the hero. And so we're going to take a look at some of those monsters. Now, this very much like some of the creatures last time is not going to be a clean story for most of these creatures. They have lots of origins. Some of them you can't actually pin down where the origin was because it probably started orally, verbal, not actually written down. So who knows when people first started talking about 
whatever it was. So like any discussion about favorite popular mm-hmm. culture things, we'll be picking and choosing our favorite parts. Yes, there's a lot of variety <laughs> in the creatures, and there's also a lot of variety in the versions of each creature. Yeah. So we'll look at them, and then we'll pick out the ones that seem to match what, we are, what we're looking for in our monster. Like Will said, the point of the series is not so much the monsters as it is drawing from the natural world and natural... It's like, and I think I made this analogy at some point in the past, using a a specific tool set. Yes. It's like, can you build this thing out of Legos? Exactly. We are, can we build this thing out of evolutionary principles? Yes. It's meant to be fun, nothing definitive. We're not saying that we are creating the definitive version of a creature or that we're referencing the definitive version of a creature. And if you have a cool idea, let us know. Enter it into what uh, some of our listeners have dubbed the spooky verse, which makes me happy every time. Oh boy. And to start off this new run of spooky, the harpy. Caca. Caca. I don't know what harpies sound like. <laughs> they never describe the noises they make. Okay, well. So, Kaka could be right up their alley. It was either that or I was going to go, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about harpies, Will. Harpies are typically portrayed as half-women, half-bird monsters in Greek myths. Now, that's a trend in Greek mythology, actually. Half-human, half-animals. But even more specifically, half-women, half-monster creatures is really popular in their stories, which I'm sure has a whole... Uh, narrative of the the priorities of the time oh sure but these were bird women now earlier the earlier portrayals of them were as simple as a woman with wings and then the rest of the details get vague depending on who's talking about the harpies so this is one of the things that comes up is many people there's many famous storytellers you know homer is one of the best known but there's tons of others from the greek time of the greeks so each of them reinterpret it. Sometimes it's a woman with her arms uh, uh, replaced with bird wings. And then sometimes the lower half is very bird-like, you know, taloned feet. Right, right, right. Sometimes it's a woman with wings on her back. Mm-hmm. Just a winged woman. Like the, the not Themyscarians. The oh, uh, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they were from. I'll think of it. Yes. The uh, Thanagarians. Thanagarians, thank Thanagarians. you. It's like That's the it. Thanagarians. <laughs> um, sometimes their wings are taloned. Sometimes if they have arms, those are taloned. So often they have some talons on them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not songbirds. They're dangerous birds. Yes. They have the ability to be harmful, even if they're not always portrayed as evil. Though most of the time they are. Monsters. Other times it's just a bird with a woman's face. Just yes. a big bird, and instead of a bird head, it's a woman's head. Like a sphinx. Like a sphinx. It's just, I, I found these two spare parts. <laughs> I'll put them together. That's literally, so in lots of old artwork, you'll see just this bird, and it has this woman's, long-haired woman's face on it. it later on, they started to become much more described as sinister and ugly and horrid and monstrous. Sometimes described to be, like, so horrific they are the most ugly thing you've ever seen. Mm. You know, like that they are unbelievably terrifying. Right, like Lovecraftian. Yeah, like just... Can't even look at it. I've never seen anything so grotesque. So 
they start to take on that shape later on, and then they start to take on their their monstery behavior. And the monster behavior you'll typically hear them reference to is stealing food or people. Usually they're they're stealing stuff away. They're swooping in, grabbing it, and flying off with it. Sometimes this was just the thing the harpies did. You know, there are harpies nearby, and man, are they jerks. <laughs> Other times they were sent by the gods, which is common in a lot of stories. Most Greek stories, the gods play a role in it somewhere. It's very, very rare. And in fact, I can't even give you an example because I don't know one where the gods don't play a role somehow. So there are versions of this where Zeus sends the harpies to punish those he deems need punishing. Uh, there's even one quote in one of the stories where they are called the dogs of great Zeus. Interesting. So they're like his his agents of of uh, uh, retribution. They are his angels. They are his angels. Are you ready, angels? <laughs> <laughs> Other times, they are there to take evildoers off to punishment. So in some versions, they steal people, people who have done something wrong. Uh, in things I read, it said, especially those who have killed a family member or those who have break, broken an oath, who gave false oaths. Interesting. And they are taken to the Arenas or Irenes, which are deities of punishment, the, these women in their own realm that punished those who particularly did wrong. So they were actually kind of like Ghost Rider, where it's like you're scary, <laughs> but you're punishing evil people. Right. So it's like a, a, you tell your kids, yes, behave properly or the harpies will come for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so there's been some times where they're fairly neutral, sometimes where they're blatantly evil, and others where they're threateningly good. Interesting. But always bird women. Always bird women. They're always... Flying somehow, at least. There are some versions where they're just wind spirits. Oh, cool. The harpies, they're always flying and described as being, you know, faster than bird or wind. And But sometimes they're more spirits, more elemental, and other times it's literally a, a winged woman creature. Okay, lots to work with. Sometimes they're named. So there are named harpies. Usually it's two main ones. Uh, Aleo and Osipede, which are the storm swift and the swift wing. And then at Homer, no, later Virgil, another great storyteller, added a third, which was Kaleo, the dark. And so there's been others, but but those are typically the three main ones that you'll hear about. So you'll often see them as pairs or threes in the yeah, stories. Yeah. The famous story that harpies are known from, this is not the only one, and this is not necessarily the first, but the famous one that you've probably heard of and has made its way into certain films, is the story of King Phineas of Thrace. So Phineas is a figure in Greek mythology that received the sight of prophecy from Zeus, was gifted it, and then used it to reveal the gods' plans to the people. Oops. He starts telling all the people the secret, you know, nefarious plans of the gods, so Zeus punishes him by trapping him on an island where every morning a vast banquet is set up. And that's all the food on the island. There's no other source of nourishment. But before the king of Thrace can get there to eat it, harpies come down and snatch the food from his hand and either eat it themselves or ruin it somehow mm -hmm. and make it uneatable, inedible. And he continues with his hunger trapped on this island. The story, that part of the story concludes when Jason and the Argonauts, part of their own story, 
on their path to find the Golden Fleece, another great thing in the Greek myths about a fleece that can cure illness and bring wealth and is just awesome in all regards. It's the famous MacGuffin. On their way to find this MacGuffin, they stop by this island. In a crossover event. <laughs> and find the king in his predicament. He says, I will use my power of prophecy to lead you to the fleece. If you get rid of these darn harpies. <laughs> and they do. Jason and the Argonauts, in various ways, depending on the version of the story, defeat the harpies. Sometimes they kill them. Sometimes they trap them. Sometimes they drive them off. But in one way or another, he's allowed to eat. There is a movie of Jason and the Argonauts. Yep. And in that, they have this scene. It's exactly as I just described it. They come across an island, seeking out his power of prophecy, the king of Thrace, find him in his predicament. They use a net to capture the harpies when they come down to steal his food. And then they capture them in a cage so that he can now tease them with the food while he enjoys. And in that one, they show them as these very gargoyle-like. They have arms and legs and then these... Not bat or bird, but almost more like pterosaur, just these pointed wings off the back. Interesting. And they're very gargoyle-esque in the fact that their skin is rough, and it almost looks mm. metallic or stony, and they're just ugly. They make these, like, scraping noises as they're eating and stuff. They're just, you know, deplorable in all regards. Yeah. So that's a harpy. That's basically what the, the stories tell us about harpies. Right, right. There's not one version. Some sort of flying female. Yes. Usually winged, usually bird-like, usually nasty. And usually feathered. Usually feathered. It's usually, usually feathery wings. Bird suggested. Yes. The the woman with a bird's head, or the, the bird with a woman's head, is kind of the core idea here. Right. Standard harpy. This is a woman and a bird <laughs> fused together. And which is the noise fusion makes. That's how, yeah. Uh, ah. They they dub it over in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, and so that's what we're dealing with here. So now, before we start evolving them, yes. Every episode, I want I like to make a brief magic disclaimer. Oh yes, important. This is important. I love speculative evolution. We all love speculative evolution in our own way. Who doesn't? And it's awesome, but it does have. A drawback when you're trying to deal with mythical and mystical and movie creatures. Supernatural. Supernatural. Beyond nature. And speculative evolution, one, the main tool is natural selection. So there are features that we cannot create. We're not going to be able to create wind demons. Yeah. With evolution. Mm, can't really do that. Oh, well. So... There are always going to be drawbacks, and I'm going. I acknowledge them now, so that you won't be disappointed if they don't show up later. Yes. The harpy though doesn't have too many. No, no, not not. We can we can work with this. We can work with a harpy. So the harpy's pretty reasonable. So what kind of harpy shall we make, Will? So the first question in my mind is whether our harpy has four or six limbs. Yes. Which is the most important question. <laughs> yeah, because. So we're we are assuming, and for the for listeners who haven't listened before, we don't discuss this ahead of time. From here on out, it's active discussion. Yeah, no, this is this is mostly off the. I've I've put together some leading points for us in case we get stuck anywhere. But yeah. all my thoughts have come up as will. I have so many thoughts. Yes, <laughs> um, because we're trying to evolve these things on Earth. Yes, on Earth, something within our existing either 
modern animals or fossil history? And assuming that they are vertebrates, yep, because they are based on birds and humans, which mm-hmm. are vertebrates, there are no six-limbed vertebrates. There are no, and that's something. That my thoughts were that exactly. We may do six-limbed vertebrates someday. Absolutely, I don't think that is this day. I think there's a lot of fun to be had. Yes, with four limbs. So, in the evolution of flight, hey, episode six, <laughs> all vertebrates that fly. The three times that vertebrates have evolved true flight, yes, they have always converted their forearm, for their their front limbs, yes, their arms, to wings, which is one of the very classic in most carvings you see of harpies. That's how it's shown. So, so I think that's a completely reasonable way to go. So our harpies could either be a group of already flying creatures mm-hmm. that take on a humanoid shape, or a group of humanoid creatures. That take on flight. Either way, I favor four four limbs, front limbs, or wings. I agree completely, and those two options were the the exact ideas I was having while putting notes together. Now, we have three vertebrate groups, so we could do a pterosaur-based harpy. We sure could. Which could be totally awesome. But if we're wanting to stick with the two original creatures this creature is made out of, I feel like birds or mammals are our best groups to work from. Right. And it, it's worth noting that they mention feathers. They mention feathers. They are almost always feathered. Not always. I've seen right. usually modern artist depictions where right, they have right. unfeathered wings, where they have like more of the bat wings to be all demony. That's cool. Yep. Feathers and talons. Talons. The talons are... Because the when we're talking talons, we're talking the feet with gripping with grasping clawed toes now what's interesting is that grasping clawed toes are not very compatible with land-based locomotion yes so if we want our harpies to walk Mm -hmm. gripping toes are that's a hard sell unless they're walking on sticks like parrots do (laughs) and so yeah and there and there are definitely a few birds of prey like the uh which one is it the harris hawk that will that will chase things into the underbrush and then walk in after them that's true like so there are a few that can do that's true the first bird that came to my mind when thinking about this actually uh just just because i thought it would be interesting was the hotson yes because hotson so hotsons are south american birds there's some called times called like the the jungle pheasant or the the swamp pheasant like they've got a lot of names they're very colorful aren't they very colorful Mm -hmm. they've got that little plume of feathers on the top of the head at a glance they look very bird of prey-ish because of their shape but they're more pheasant-esque right but as babies they've got claws on their wings still yeah and that's actually i learned recently that that's something that is not that uncommon in birds for some birds to retain Mm mm-hmm some version of claws on their wings. Hotsons being the most famous. Yes. I don't know if they have the largest claws. Yeah, I don't know. They might. That might be why they're famous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, absolutely. And maybe they're the ones claws. that use it the most. I do know that one of the things most notable about them is that the young actually use them to climb the branches around the nest. Yeah, so they're functioning. So they're, they're functional claws. Fully functional. They've been seen using them to crawl back up to the nest if they fall in the water in the, the swamps where they nest. Now, harpies can fly. They can fly, absolutely. Even though they're human-sized. Mm-hmm. So, that, and that's one thing I was thinking with ours, is we'd probably have to make a slightly smaller harpy. I think so. You can still be big. Like, there are big birds that fly. You know, yep. a stellar sea eagle's like two and a half feet tall. 
Well, and the biggest flying bird today is, oh boy, what is it? The golden bustard something bustard. Oh, I should know this because we did an episode about it. Is the heaviest flying bird. And then you have albatross. Yes. With a wandering albatross, which has the biggest wingspan. And these are decently sized birds. Indian condor? And then the, and that's yeah. up there too. So you could have, but it, it's going to have to be fairly small. I mean, it's going to be like toddler sized. Yeah. Uh, or, Unless or, they're, they're doing uh, push up takeoffs like pterosaurs did yes exactly <laughs> probably a small which i think that's fine that's oh, yeah you know, we size. shrink our vampires we can shrink exactly. our harpies we could have them be more upright and you know because harpy they're not just birds you know they are they're standing they're long-limbed you could imagine a long-limbed bird evolving like any long-limbed birds perhaps in a waiting environment mm-hmm. where you're like a heron walking through yep a, a, a water or maybe stepping through, I suppose you could be in, in like a tall grass prairie where you're elevated up above yeah. the rest. That also gives you a little bit more height, so our harpies can be a little more impressive. Absolutely. Now, this is also going with a human-bodied harpy. There could be more of a bird-bodied harpy. That That's true. It still has a bird-esque look to it. For that one and a human-bodied harpy, we still need to just figure out how does our bird get a human face yes which is that was the one wall i hit when trying to think these things up is i couldn't think of a good reason for a bird to get rid of its beak no i was gonna skip the human face part although i you could split the the difference there and give it an owl like face yes true so you're approaching human and if you were losing feathers and you know if you lost some of the feathers around that and still had that had enough to give you that flat face, but not yeah. quite so a, such a bushy one. That could work. And you, if you're you're a bird of prey, mm-hmm. it is beneficial to have your eyes facing yes. forward. That's a, a predator feature. Is Absolutely, forward facing eyes because then you get binocular vision. And so that's that's all stuff that could work. Now the the flip side could be to come from the other angle. My first idea I thought of when. Uh, thinking of a harpy, uh, a, a evolved harpy, was actually very much along the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> is a primate, right? Is to make a winged primate, a primate that evolves its front limbs into wings of some sort. And the reason I thought of that and liked it is because one, it gives you the humanoid face. This is true. Like that can now very quickly be a flying human at a glance. It also gives you grasping feet. Yeah, I do like that. And if you make it a monkey, stealing food is now right up their alley. I do like all of this. And I thought of marmosets because they still have claws. But I don't think that's the only answer. Well, you could also, if you start with something like a marmoset or like a, I'm picturing the lemurs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that bounce around or animal. It, there has never been a case of primates, to my knowledge, true, like monkeys, gliding no not really but it's not difficult to picture sort of the classic gliding to flying sort of flying squirrel into bat mode of living with something that's already hopping around the trees the and then the question there is what how well how do they make their wings to me like that's the immediate okay there's yes there's one way to make mammal wings we've already seen. Now we're going in a bat direction. So we could be going in a bat direction, but, and now this is getting, this is an extra layer of speculation because it's 
building a new part that at least I couldn't find any evidence of looking stuff up is if they had fur that started to act more like feathers. Which you could, uh, feathers are inferred from the fossil record to have started off rather like bristly fur. So you could have, in theory, barbed fur that takes on a feathery-like appearance. And so if you ended up having some, some meeting in the middle, you could still have your fluffy winged harpies. Right. And you can split the difference if you want and make it like the uh, uh, Scansoriopterygians. Yes. And they're like like Ichi, the famous bat-winged dinosaur. Yes. Which, and honestly, pterosaurs oh, yeah. would have been like this too, where it is a leathery wing like a bat, but it still has fur on it. Yes, it's still furry across it. So or it's it still rather fuzzy. So yeah. those animals, the, the dinosaur had feathers. Bats are still furry, like their arms are still furry. And so if they just didn't have quite as membrane thin looking... Yeah, maybe they had shaggy wings. Yes. (laughs) And and that could mean that they're either not flying long distances, or maybe it's much more, I'm using this to jump halfway up a tree as I fly away from you. The other thing I like about the primate angle is that it maintains the social aspect. Yes, that's was that was another note I was thinking about. That birds also have cuz cuz we we mentioned the idea of stealing food mm-hmm. and carrying people and things away and on the one hand, monkeys absolutely like primates absolutely are are renowned so are birds, but Oh yes. Pri- there are all sorts of good examples of primates stealing not only from each other but from other species. Oh yes. And I also on the bird angle like the idea of maybe they're stealing food for their family. Yes. No, they could be going back to a nest. Now, the the on the note of the stealing, the immediate group that came to mind for me were the long-tailed macaques in India. Yes. Yeah. That. <laughs> so these are these are monkeys well known in the temples of India. Yes. They form these giant gangs, these giant troops, sometimes up into like a hundred like these huge mobs of monkeys and because those temples are heavy tourist sites they have learned to feed off of the tourists sometimes just getting donations but sometimes stealing food yep but i'm not gonna say it's like super recently i don't know that it's more recent it but it's in been the last i've written about it a couple times yeah it's been it was di- like uh there was a study about yes. it. yes Within the last several years, I think. And so it's a fairly recent thing where, as far as I know, there had been reports. Oh, yes. But they had gotten finally solid documentation that certain groups of the macaques have learned that the easiest way to get food is not to steal the food or wait for it, but to steal something else and hold it hostage. And trade it. (laughs) Hats and glasses. And the the people who did that study... Mm Mm-hmm. Report and actually, I one of the the articles I wrote for them, I believe I asked them this question. They t- they said that their stuff, the mon- while they were doing the study, the monkeys would steal their equipment. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so, picturing a a small troop of harpies, a couple or three harpies, perhaps coming in and grabbing people's stuff, <laughs> grabbing people's stuff and trading it for food or stealing food. <laughs> Seems to fit very much with their their may not necessarily evil, but just nasty nature. And I also the idea of having wings that function as 
arms. Yes. That you have claws on them. Right? We have our monkeys who have hands, and then you can put claws on them. Mm-hmm. Primates generally have nails. Yes. But we can, yeah, however you want to picture that, is also very dromaeosaur to me. Yes, it is. That this is a large-ish animal with functioning arms that are also used for gliding or flapping partially flat powered or fully powered flight yeah. so you could get something very much like a, a pterosaur wing where maybe only some of the hand has transitioned into the wing right so you still have this little three-fingered gripper or something like that and then that opens up all the other speculations on how not quite flying dinosaurs were using their wings yes exactly and back to the predatory angle the notion of standing on top of something while using your wings to balance mm-hmm. and picking it apart brings us over to the monster region oh, yes. of this well, thing. What I immediately picture <laughs> is one of these little harpy monkeys like scurrying over, grabbing something and flapping away with it. And then when it lands, guarding its food with its wings, just making this tent around its food as it, yeah. it eats and the other harpies have to wait its turn. Like. <laughs> Like just the, this that that typical monkey behavior, but now it has these guards. So I like the notion of fluffy slash kind of feathery looking winged primates mm-hmm. that started as gliders and now they are troops of primates. What I'm hung up on, yes, is that they're all female. Yes, and that is one thing that the macaque research pointed out is that it's usually the males. And so I have a couple of, there's two ways to go about this. Now, one way is to actually go all female. Yes. And there are species or populations, at least, that have done this. There's a famous one or a couple of populations of lizards, mm-hmm. whiptail lizards, I believe, that have achieved populations of all females. Absolutely. Where just because of the genetic breakdown of this population, they're reproducing clonally. Yes. And you have a fully female population uh, of organisms. But the other way to go, and there are primates that do this, I think lemurs, I think it's lemurs, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one, where there are primates that are social groups that are dominated by females, like hyenas are dominated Mm -hmm. by females. And I like that because there's precedent within mammals and there's not precedent within mammals for a fully female population like the lizards do. Absolutely. And and you could then still have a similar scenario for the birds that you pointed out where maybe there it's a I'm gonna say flipped, but an alternate dynamic where the females are in charge of the group and flipped as in compared to most other primates. Right. Most primates are male dominant. Yeah. But there are plenty of groups of lots of animals where Oh yeah. The dynamic is the other way and females are taking on the the more dominant, the more aggressive, the more uh, leadership role in these animals. And so you could have a troop doing that that then is still bringing food back to yeah. males. And that's kind of, I like, the, the, the image that I was p- building in my head was you have these family groups where it's the male's job mm-hmm. to stay at the den, nest, whatever, with the little babies And the females are the ones that are going out and terrorizing people and stealing food to bring back. And that's why you would only see the females. And it's why they're always stealing stuff from people and taking them away. Now, and a a step further, that could be why females, uh, harpies are only female, even though there are male harpies, is if there's sexual dimorphism 
Yes. If the males don't need to fly and glide because they're not out stealing food, they might just look like little shrimpy monkeys. So they are flightless or yes. less flighted males whose job it is to stay at home and take care of the babies. Yes, exactly. I like that <laughs> a bunch. I also kind of like the notion that, because in the, in the mythology, they're taking away bad people. Yes. People who do bad things. And much like predators tend to go, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to go for the herd. You're going to go for the one that's off by itself. Mm-hmm. So if you've done a bad thing and you're ostracized from the group, Yes. Like, yes. Like you were a jerk, and so people don't want to hang out with you now. <laughs> now you're in. Now yep. you're in the the harpy's yep. binocular better, vision. <laughs> you better be social. You better. Yep. Be be someone we want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that, and I like that. The thing my brain stuck on is the format of their wings, because I feel like there's multiple options. You could go with a a glider route, the flying lemur, where it's like a, a, a flying squirrel and just stretch of skin, which is probably going to be there to some degree, no matter what. You could go to oh, a pterosaur route where you have part of your hand as the wing and the rest of the hand still a hand. Or you could go bat route where the whole hands become the wing. And if we go bat route, I keep getting stuck on the idea of the fossil bats that still had functional claws. And if these, if these primates had maintained figure, fingertips... And able to grab stuff. Yeah, these weird, weird floppy <laughs> hand monkeys running around the trees. Oh, that would be very creepy. Yeah. And they maintain their finger. Ugh. Yeah. Ooh. That's... And another thing mm-hmm. drawing from the mythology that I like about monkeys is that the mythology, you mentioned that there are stories that, that, that paint them as horrent, like, like uh, uh, ugly and, yes. and horrible to look at. Monkeys are real mean to each other. Oh, yeah. And if these are like hyper aggressive troop leaders, you could easily have them with like all sorts of facial scars and deformations. Well, and even especially if they're stealing stuff all the time and getting into fights. Yeah. Like getting a competition. Yeah. I'm picturing like like those big old crocodiles. They're just gnarled. I'm I'm picturing a combination between the big old crocodiles that are all yeah like i was shot seven times and i got bit in the face a bunch and then what chimps do to each other yes (laughs) which is worse (laughs) yes oh yes absolutely because there's malice behind it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah these these sort of battle scarred flappy monkey thieves absolutely one (laughs) Even just as a monkey, it never ceases to amaze me. Because one of the other ones I I looked up out of my curiosity were capuchins, which are the the organ grinder monkeys. Right, that's that's what uh, Ace Ventura's partner was. Spike! Spike! Spike. This is Spike. And they're adorable. Yes. Until they open their mouth. Yes. And then all of a sudden you see these canines that are crossing each other and almost sticking (laughs) away from one another at like 45 degree angles. And they look like an oni. Like yes. an evil Japanese demon <laughs> with these giant tusks. Perhaps like a gargoyle. Yeah. And so like I could picture it being like human enough, but then it's snarling and it's screeching and it's got these fangs and it's just you I know, like that. disturbing. I like all of this. Yeah. And the thing is, if we went monkey, that's a, already a pretty decent size. So if it's just beefy enough to be a little threatening, you know, that you don't want to fight it to get your food back necessarily yeah, yeah. then that's that's in flight size 
you know, that's completely unreasonable weight requirements for other birds. So that that's something that could actually take flight and get off the ground. Yes, at least a little bit. Yeah. To, to the extent that it needs to make its way away from those Indian temples. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, and if we've already named flying snakes and flying squirrels and flying lemurs flying... We can call these... Yeah. Then I'm sure people would call these flying. These are flying. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've done it with everything else. So we have monkeys. Monkeys. Perhaps a more more basal primates that mm-hmm. have retained claws. That's what I was thinking as well, is if we yeah. could go a little farther back. A little further back down the tree. Clawed primates. Clawed basal primates that have were went through a gliding phase yeah, and are now extremely arboreal flappy phase mm-hmm. with grasping feet yep they retained those hand-like feet that and i'm so jealous of claw-like hands mm-hmm. that have developed into proper flappable wings yes. all fuzzy because you know they're in the cold greek landscape i don't know <laughs> right. you know i'm gonna survive these mediterranean winters <laughs> <laughs> With threat displays yep, that they're scaring people with while they go off and terrorize people and steal food to bring back to the males who are taking care of their babies. Yeah, and if and very much like monkeys that forage but also hunt, it would make sense that these were partially predatory. Oh, yeah. Which would, would be in line with a lot of these features before tourists started showing up. Yes. And then tourists start showing up and markets start opening up and now all of those predatory skills become thieving skills. One last question. Mm-hmm. If they are monkeys, yes. do they have tails? Ooh, good question. Have they lost their tails like so, us great apes? Yeah, I'm trying to think through the all the images. And harpies seem to be hit and miss on the tail, as far as I can think of. Like, sometimes they have a bird tail. Other times they don't. Uh, sometimes they just have, like, feathered legs. Before it gets to the the scaly bird feet part. But there's definitely tailless harpies. So okay. it could very well be one of the the short-tailed That's true. monkeys. You know, like the, the, the Asian... Uh, I can't think of a, a good example right off the top of my head. But various Asian monkeys have just like little button tails that are technically there, but not actually... All right. doing much so maybe they maybe they were one of the reduced tailed monkeys i'm good with this yeah cool i like what we've created I like it the the part that would creep me out the most about these harpies is watching them move around on the ground because it's gonna be it's not gonna be the hoppy like uh, uh little gallop that monkeys do it's gonna be something weird where it's yeah, it's going to be all crawly and scrambly. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and it's going to climb stuff weirdly. But but they would probably wait till people were among the trees or the buildings and then descend upon Yeah, exactly. Them. Like it wouldn't run over to you. All of a sudden, there'd be a harpy. Yes, it would swoop down. It would fall upon you and then <laughs> flap off. Yeah, drop monkeys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a great success, I think. Yeah. Listeners, what do you think? Absolutely. Do you like our harpies? Let us know. Let us know what you if, if you had anything you might want to add, or if you have another idea of how you would make a harpy. Indeed. Please share. And with that, I think we have wrapped up our first episode of Spookulative Evolution 2019 with our spooky harpy. I love it. I, I'm really happy with this one. 
as with last year, we'll be releasing these every Saturday. Every Saturday. So tune in in a week. Three more to go. And see what next Greek monster we're going to talk about. Yes, that we will enter into the spooky verse. Dun, dun, dun. See you then. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Common Descent Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and check our WordPress blog for pictures and links after each episode. Huge thanks to our patrons whose support helps keep this podcast running and who get access to bonus goodies on Patreon. The song you're hearing is called On the Origin of Species by Protodome, which we found at ocremix.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.